So you don't have to raise your hand, but how many, how many would be honest this morning and kind of admit maybe to the person next to you or maybe, maybe you're married to that person, they already know it, but that you would admit that you're a little bit of a worrier. Like the truth is, is that we all worry, but not all of us are worriers. I, I, I think there's a distinction. Like I, I, I worry sometimes, but my wife, Hansi, she is a worrier and there's a difference. And, and like I said, you know, I, I have worries, but if you have a pulse, you probably worry at some point, but some of us are kind of overachievers at overthinking things and stressing about things and trying to project into the future and end up worrying a lot. Like, like do you know anybody that, that, that is an overachiever at worrying? Like they could go, like they could go pro, like they, they're just better, they're above average. They're, anybody, anybody know anybody like that? Anybody, anybody actually like that themselves? Where, where you carry around the burdens of the world and you just worry, worry, worry. And on the one hand, like you feel like other people can kind of worry less because you worry enough for them, but it also kind of stresses you out a little bit because they're not as worried as you are. And so maybe they don't seem to care as much as you do. And that kind of worries you. Like, why don't they care as much as you care? And so you worry about everything and it kind of drives you crazy. You've tried to worry less, but trying to worry less is, trying, is like trying not to think about something or it's like trying to go to sleep at night. It's like you're laying in bed going, I'm gonna go to sleep, I'm gonna go to sleep, I'm gonna go to sleep. And the harder you try, the less you sleep. You know what I'm talking about? There's a lot of conversation in our culture right now around things like stress and anxiety and and, and, and worry and depression and fear, which honestly, many of those things are really just different ways to talk about things that have their root in this, this thing called worry. And if you're like most people, most of the things that you worry about, most of the things that you stressed about, most of the things that you get anxious and worked up about never actually even happen. We never, you know, and the reason that is is because we never stop to imagine the best case scenarios, right? We, we, never, we never go, what if it all goes perfect? What if it all goes the best? We, no, we always imagine what could or would happen if everything went completely wrong, right? Like, 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 and, and then also, have you ever stopped to kind of think about all the logical inconsistencies in our worries? Like I've had conversations with people who were worried that they would never get married, but they were also worried that if they did, it would be terrible and then they'd be stuck in that marriage. When you have kids that are toddlers, you worry sometimes that maybe they're a little too clingy, but then you give it another 16 to 17 years and then you worry that they'll never leave. We worry that we won't get the job or the promotion and then we worry that if we do, we wouldn't be able to keep up if we actually stepped into that role. And then there are other things that really are legitimate worries or at least legitimate concerns. I mean, regardless of which way you swing on politics and the economy and taxes and COVID and masks and the price of gas and schools and like, like all of this stuff, right? The world is pretty uncertain right now. Despite all the proclamations, despite all the intentions and the best laid plans of people in positions of power and authority. The truth is like we live in a time where it feels like there really is a lot to worry about. And, and that's just kind of the big 
sort of 30,000 foot view, sort of zoomed out view of the world. And then you layer on the more specific things to our lives, like our jobs and our family and relationships and raising kids and having teenage drivers in your house and, and, and the influence of technology on your kids and what's it doing to them and running a household. And man, like life can get pretty overwhelming pretty quickly. No wonder we're all worrying so much. It kind of seems like it's for some pretty good reasons, but, but it's certainly not anything new and it's certainly not, we're certainly not the first ones to experience that. And Jesus actually talked about it quite a bit. So the, the last six weeks or so, we've been in a series called Sounds Familiar where we've been making our way through the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus, by anyone, but it was preached by Jesus, found in Matthew chapters five, six, and seven, and, and just kind of working our way through. And, and, and the truth is like we could spend we could spend months just working our way through this one sermon, but Jesus said it all in one, one message. And so we've been tackling all these little sections that have to do with our lives and all these kind of challenging things that Jesus said about the, 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 the upside down nature of the way that life really works. And then he gets into this, this whole conversation about worry. And this is what he has to say in Matthew chapter six, verse 25. He says, therefore, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You got to look good, though. Am I right? You got to get those tennis, everybody's, never mind. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they? Tell somebody next to you that say, I'm better than a bird. Just tell them. Tell them, go ahead, say, I'm better than a bird. You might not say, I might not be better than you, but I'm better than a bird. Verse 27, can any one of you by, by worrying add a single hour to your life? No, but you can take some hours off of it, right? Right? Or, or it can make you wish you were dead because it would be more peaceful than being inside the living hell that's your mind sometimes, right? And then he goes on. He says, why, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his Gucci splendor was dressed like one of those. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and is tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you you of little faith man it was all sounding so good up until that little jab right at the end by jesus at you of little faith now i don't know about you but when i read this when i read these thoughts and i i've read this more times than i can remember or count in my life but my first reaction is like those are some really nice thoughts jesus like that that's that's really good stuff it's not super practical or helpful but it is really really nice but then Jesus continues, verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after those things, and your heavenly Father knows, what, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Somebody's really worried. 
They just came running in. They were really, it was, it was a two-year-old worry. He was worried that he wasn't going to see his mom. He says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, I have to admit that there's part of me, when I hear Jesus say all of this, I think, okay, that, that is easy for you to say, Jesus. Like you prayed one prayer and did this little Jedi move and you turned five loaves and a couple of fish into a feast for 5,000 people. That's easy for you to say, Jesus, like you walked on water, you calmed storms, you turned dead people into living people. Also, you turned water into wine. I mean, I don't need to do the rest of that. I mean, I'd be a lot less stressed if you could just make it to where I could turn my water into my favorite wine anytime I wanted to. I also think it's easy for us to think, yeah, but life was so much simpler then. You didn't have to deal with the 21st century pressures and problems. I mean, we're not hanging out on the mountainside bird watching with a pair of binoculars like it sounds like you want us to, Jesus. Because there's, part, there, there's this part where he says, look at the birds that God feeds them. This week, at the beginning of the week, when I first started preparing for today I read these verses and on the same day I read the verse where he says don't worry about where you're gonna eat look at the birds Uh, I'm not kidding on that same day I ended up seeing a video of a bird that got stomped to death by a deer Um, it had swooped down to catch a bunny and while it was trying to grab its dinner a deer ran over and stomped it to death Um, and it's very compelling take a look here it is here he comes Thank you, Jesus, I'm about to enjoy some dinner, some mind of my own business, got this bunny. Here comes a psychotic deer. There goes the bunny, freeze him. Here it is in slow motion. Yeah, Bambi, Bambi went crazy and killed his, yeah, like killed his attacker. Boom, there goes the bunny, the bunny got free. So I'm like, yeah, God, I'm not gonna look at that bird because it didn't work out so well for him. But here's the truth about this moment with Jesus, that he lived in a time and a place of extreme hardship and oppression. There was no promise of life and liberty in the pursuit of happiness. There was only the empire. There was only the rule of Rome. It it was the opposite of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so he starts off saying, don't worry about your life. Why? Because although worry is rooted in reality, it, it has a massive impact on our it, it has a massive impact on our reality. It isn't rooted in what's happening actually going on, but it impacts what is happening in our life. See, worry actually steals the life that you could be living, keeping you stuck in a life of what ifs, what might happen. And the truth is, the more we think about, obsess, and stress over what could be, the more we miss out on what is actually happening in our life and the cruel irony is that constantly stressing about your life actually steals your life from you and so Jesus is going don't do that don't let fear and worry and stress steal your life from you and so as your pastor this morning I just want to say this to you stop it all right let's close in prayer just kidding I mean it should be that simple right Like even if you don't believe that there's a solution, we can all kind of agree that worry is a waste of time and life. I mean, there's nobody out there who's pro-worry. Nobody's out there going, like nobody's out there arguing like, 
what you need in your life is just a little bit more worry. Like I haven't met anybody that said if it hadn't been for worrying, I wouldn't have accomplished so much in my life or, or my life was so much worse, so much more empty before I started worrying as much as I do. And yet there's so much worry in the world that people have made a lot of money writing articles and books. And I mean, just Google it. You'll get all kinds of how to stop worry, how to deal with stress, worry for dummies, stress for, like, it's just an industry that's, uh, that's created to help us deal with how much stress and worry we have. So maybe Jesus is actually onto something. Maybe what he's saying is bigger and deeper and more profound than what we actually think. And, and so he starts off telling them not to worry about food and water and clothing. And, and he starts there because that's what the people who were there listening to him, that's what they would have been worried about. It was very much a, 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 a hand-to-mouth culture. Like they got up every day trying to figure out how are we gonna eat? How are we gonna stay alive? What are we gonna drink? How do we put clothes on our back? And, and that's obviously not what most of us are worried about. In fact, I think if Jesus were here addressing us, I, I think it would sound differently. I think he'd say, look, don't worry if, if you're gonna be able to retire. Don't worry about whether you're gonna be able to keep your kids in that school. Don't worry about whether or not you're gonna be single the rest of your life. Don't worry about whether you're gonna be able to find the job that you love. Don't worry about keeping the job you have. Don't worry about your industry. Don't worry about the housing market. Don't worry about your kids. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry. See, we don't really think of it this way, but worry is actually an act of faith, right? Because it assumes a negative view of the world around us and it presumes a negative future, that, that there's something out there that we can't see that's happening that we don't know that, that we need to plan for. It's a belief in the worst case scenarios. But Jesus wasn't saying that food and clothing are important. His point isn't that retirement or school or your job isn't important. His point isn't that your kids or your health aren't important. That's not his point at all. In fact, his point is the exact opposite. His point is that all of those things are important and uncertainty is real. He's not saying that everything is always gonna go perfectly or work out and be okay. What he's saying is that even when it doesn't, you still don't have to worry that he's got it. He's holding the future. Even when we're that poor bird flying through life, just trying to enjoy some dinner and a psychotic deer runs by and stomps us. Even in our darkest moments, when our deepest fears are realized, you still have a heavenly father that is working all things together for the good of your life, for those who love him and who are called according to his purposes. There is a way to face the uncertainty of tomorrow, but also not worry about it today. So Jesus says, look, when it comes to your life, however you define life, stop worrying. And, and I, I don't want you to miss this. Because Jesus says, do not worry. He, and, he, he, and it's not incidental that he repeats it three times in the span of you know, six, seven, eight, nine verses because he really wants us to hear what he said. Like he's repeating himself over and over and over and over again. By the way, have you ever been really worried about something and somebody told you to stop, not to worry? How not helpful is that? You're just like, I'm super worried about this. Just don't worry about it. It's not exactly helpful unless they know something that you don't know. A few years ago, uh, I, I'm a big um, 
Dallas Cowboys fan, grew up, born in Texas, family's all from Texas, and uh, it's been like, I don't know, 85 years since they've been to the Super Bowl or something, uh, but it's only been a handful of years since they made the playoffs, and so uh, a few years ago when they were kind of making a playoff push, um, my brother recorded the game, and we didn't get a chance to watch it until later, and we sat down, and he, he, what, I thought we were both watching it for the first time, um, and then right when we sat down to watch it, he's like, oh, I've seen it, and so, so I'm watching the game, a super close game, super intense, and, uh, and part of the reason why like, I don't watch that much football is because I just, I don't have that much emotional energy to invest anymore. I'm just like, if they play terrible, I'm in a bad mood for an hour. Like, I don't want to be in a bad mood. So I'm like watching and I realize, wait a minute, he's seen it. And so he knows what's going to happen. He knows something I don't. And so every time it got to one of like the critical moments in the game, I would just watch him. And if he wasn't that concerned about it, I was like, all right, it's going to go. Sure enough, they score, they score the touchdown, they go over the... See, I think a huge part of this conversation that Jesus is having with us is like, he's saying, I, I, know, I know what you don't know. I can see what you can't. And, and I want you to see who God is and his heart towards you because if you knew what I knew and, and you could see what I could see, that you, you wouldn't worry. And, and then he asks a question that has an obvious answer. He says this, he says, is not life more than... Isn't life more than? And you can fill that blank in with whatever you want, with whatever answer that you have, and the answer is still the same. Isn't life more than retirement? Of course it is. Isn't life more than schools and mandates and 401ks, which school your kids get into, making the next sale? Isn't it even more than health and feeding your family? Yes. Isn't life more? Of course those things matter. But isn't life more? Some of those things are huge and critical, but isn't life more than all of those things? See, Jesus is trying to get us to pull back a little bit and to look up because we get so myopic, so hyper-focused on what we want or what we don't want or, or what we don't have or how it's supposed to go or what could happen or what that means or how it's gonna unfold. And worry is like a gas, its fumes just expand and take up all the space in our hearts and in our souls and in our minds, crowding out faith and hope and trust until all we have left is just sort of speculating about and trying to control things that we can't control. So we lose perspective. And Jesus begins to tell us how to get it back. And it, and it sounds a little crazy. It sounds a little ridiculous. It sounds a little Bob Marley-ish. He says, look at the birds and Look at the flowers. And you're like, wait, what? Look at the birds. I don't have time to look at the birds. I need a job. Look at the flowers. My son failed the 10th grade. I don't have time to look at the birds. The medical bills are piling up. I don't have time to look at the birds. I don't feel very well. And then I Googled my symptoms and now I'm pretty sure I'm dying. Even though you're not. Look at the birds. My husband left and he says he's not coming back. No offense, Jesus, but birds and flowers, are you, are you serious right now? But Jesus is actually pointing us to something that's really big. He, he's going, don't worry, look at God's character. Because if you wanna know what God's like, begin to look around at the world he created. He's going, look around you and remember who God is. See, the birds and the flowers, they're just an illustration. Because birds don't worry and God takes care of them. 
The flowers don't worry and God takes care of them. And you are way more valuable than they are. By the way, look again at what he says about the flowers. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin. They don't spin. When I, when I read that, I thought like, I'm not sure 100% this is what Jesus meant, but I thought, man, isn't that what worry does to us? It just winds us up, right? Worry is circular. It's like the spin cycle for your soul. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and then you never really get back to sleep because your mind just starts spinning about the day ahead and that meeting and what's gonna happen and what about and I don't know and, Like your bladder and your brain are both too full for you to sleep. And so your mind just starts spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning and spinning. And you just find you're you're just spinning. Because it's it's not just being concerned about something. It's when we actually grab onto that thought, that what if, that worst case scenario, thinking that we can control it but then it takes us for a ride and it spins us around, has us change, chasing our tail mentally and emotionally and spiritually. See, Jesus says to look at the birds and to look at the flowers, but I don't think he was just trying to make a cool like teaching point. I think he was actually trying to get us to stop, to bring ourselves to a place of rest. I think he was trying to get us to move to a place where we build into our lives especially in our most stressful and uncertain times, habits that remind us of who God is and what he's like. Look at the world around you. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers and remember who God is, that he's a skillful creator, that he's a good father, that he's a generous provider. That's what you see when you look at the birds and the flowers. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. That's who he'll always be. That he's infinitely powerful and creative. That he exists in possibilities and opportunities that you can't see or imagine or haven't thought of or dreamed of yet. That he's a skillful creator, but he's also a good father. That he loves you perfectly. That he's patient and kind. That he loves surprising you and delighting you. I I love breakfast cereal. Anybody like breakfast cereal, like cold cereal? Man, a good bowl of cereal, yeah. Um, Anybody put the milk in first? We just need to kick you out of the church right now because that's weird. I'm just kidding. Um, I I think I've mentioned this before. (laughs) We talked a little bit about cereal before, but uh, when I grew up, uh, I I, we ate cereal all the time. uh, But we were poor, and so we didn't buy the name brand cereals that came in that fancy box stuff. Nope. Like we went down to the end of the aisle on the bottom shelf where the knockoff brands were and they came in the big old giant bag. And so we never ate Fruit Loops. We ate Fruity Rings and we didn't eat Cocoa Puffs. We ate Cocoa Nuggets, which is just wrong because no cereal should have the word nuggets in it. But imagine though, whatever your favorite cereal, whatever your kids love, imagine getting up in the morning with your kids as a mom or dad, making your kids a bowl of Fruit Loops for breakfast And then a couple of minutes later, you leave the room, you come back and you look over and they're putting half of the soggy little multicolored loops that you put in their bowl and now have milk all over them. They're scooping them out one at a time with a spoon. 
and putting them in a little baggie. And, and you're just like, what are you doing? And they look up and they, and they say, look, I'm just, I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of worried about tomorrow. I don't know what's gonna happen. I mean, you fed me today, you cook, took care of me today, but how do I know that you're gonna do that tomorrow? See, that, that would be ridiculous. And you'd tell them, look, tomorrow is not your job. Tomorrow's my job. Your job is today. Your job is to enjoy what we have right now. You live in today and let me worry about tomorrow. And it's the same with us and God, is that we're that little kid scooping out the Fruit Loops, putting soggy Fruit Loops in a little baggie because we're not sure what's gonna happen tomorrow. And God's going, I took care of you today. I've take, I took care of you the day before that. Like, I've been there your whole life. You don't need to worry about tomorrow. I got it. You do today. Tomorrow's not your job. We worry and we try to control things that are out of our control, like the future, and we hold on to things that are way too big for us to handle. See, you have a good father who loves you and takes care of you. He's also a generous provider who gives you everything you need. Verse 31 and 32, Jesus says this. He says, so do not worry, for the pagans run after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So pagan was a reference to the non-Jewish people who did not believe in God. So they did not believe that there was a God who was there and watching out for them and taking care of them and providing for them. And Jesus is saying, that's not who you are. Like you actually believe in God. And not only do you believe in God, but you have a heavenly father and he loves you and he knows what you need when you need it. He's a skilled creator. He's a good father. He's a generous provider. So why do you continue to act like the people who have no faith and no belief in a God that will provide for them when you know exactly who God is? So don't worry. Peter, who was there on the mountainside when Jesus was teaching all of this, he wrote years later in a letter it's in our Bible known as 1 Peter in chapter five, verse seven. He says, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you. And Jesus was actually, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Peter was actually doing a little bit of a word play because he was going, look, you can, give, you, you can give all of your cares and concerns to God because he has made caring for you his concern. And it sounds a lot to me like Peter was actually listening that day when Jesus was teaching this. See, the truth is, is that you can face the chaos of life, whatever it is. And we don't know what the future holds. So it, we could be moving into a period of time that might be the most chaotic any of us have ever seen. But you can face the chaos of life when you learn to trust the character of God. See, this is not one of those like Jesus going, man, just look at the birds, man. Go to the beach, chill out, relax. This isn't Jesus saying, hey, just distract yourself by watching the birds. I don't know what you're like, but the primary way that I have dealt with stress and worry in my life is through distraction. 
That's one of the reasons why I love going to the movies. We even use those words, right? It's an escape. I need to just escape. What are you escaping from? What? The worry and the stress and the reality of thinking about all that's ahead, right? And so even at our best, we find ways just to simply distract ourselves from the things that are worrying us. But Jesus is not talking about that. And it's not, you know, hakuna matata. He's not talking about like abdicating responsibility. And just whatever happens, happens. I'm not responsible. It's not like, oh, my marriage is falling apart, but I'm not worried about it. Whatever happens, happens. It's not what he's talking about. In fact, it's the opposite of those things. He's saying you need to face it head on. He's saying sow and reap and plan and work and save and grind and learn and grow and strategize. Do it all. Do everything you can, but then trust God with what you can't do. And then it's almost like Jesus knew us, like he knew that we would need something. If we're not gonna worry, what are we actually gonna do? Because don't worry is good, okay, but what am I gonna actually do in its place? And Jesus says this. He says, seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and he'll take care of the rest. See, Jesus isn't saying don't worry, do nothing. He's saying don't worry by doing my thing. Seek my kingdom, seek my righteousness. He's saying concern yourself with what concerns me and I will take care of what concerns you. Take responsibility for something bigger than yourself and trust that I've got you. Do something for someone that they can't do for themselves and trust that I'll do for you what you can't do for yourself. Trust that I'll take care of you. Seek my kingdom and my righteousness. Have different priorities. Don't live like those people who have no faith and no belief in a God who takes care of them and provides for them. Stop borrowing trouble from tomorrow. I love that he says that at the end. Tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Today has enough trouble of its own. Why are you going to the ATM of your life and going, I'll take some, some trouble from tomorrow and put it on today? He's going, stop doing that. We often can't even deal with the trouble of today because we're so preoccupied with the trouble that might come tomorrow. Jesus says every day has enough trouble of its own. Tomorrow can worry about itself. And the essence of all that Jesus is saying is this, is he's going, do all you can today. And then at the end of it, trust God with tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow. I'm giving you permission not to obsess over tomorrow because I will be in your tomorrow. I'm already there. You're just responsible for today. Do all you can today. Work hard. Do, do it all today, but then trust God with tomorrow. The Apostle Paul picked up on this same theme in the book of Philippians in chapter four, verse six and seven. He wrote these words. He says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Give thanks in all things. And then God's peace will watch over your hearts and your minds. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Give thanks in all things. And then God's peace will watch over your hearts and minds. 
And so I, I think one of the habits maybe is the best place for us to end and the perfect place for us to sort of grab onto something that we can sort of begin to do from this conversation is that we start to treat anytime we sense or feel worry or stress kind of creeping up, that becomes a signal, a prompt to us to do what the Apostle Paul said. And we feel that worry, okay, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna take a deep breath, I'm gonna look around, I'm gonna remember who God is, and I'm gonna give thanks, and I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna release it, and I'm gonna move out into the world to do something and be about his kingdom and his righteousness. Do good for somebody around me. I'm gonna give thanks, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna do good. I'm worried, I'm gonna stop, I'm gonna give thanks, I'm gonna pray, and I'm gonna go do some good. See, because Jesus says you conquer, your, you conquer your worry not by trying to conquer worry. You conquer worry by surrendering your life to God's agenda for your life. And, and what better way to do that than to train myself that every time I feel worried, every time I feel stress creeping in, that it becomes a signal and a prompt for me to stop and to look around and remember who he is and to give thanks and to pray and to look for an opportunity to love someone else to set aside my agenda for my life and to begin to reorient myself around his agenda and his priorities. Do all you can today. Trust God with tomorrow. Stop. Collaborate and listen. I'm just kidding. Um, stop, breathe. Look around. Look up from the focus that you've got. Like, oh, this problem, I got it. No, look up. Begin to remember who God is. Breathe. Give thanks. Pray. Can you imagine? I, I think one of the places we get stuck is we go, God, I, I know you can take care of me. But I'm, always, I'm not always convinced you will. I know you can help me make this thing happen that I'm really working for. But I, I don't know if you will. I, I know you can provide for my family. But I don't know if you will. And so we get hung up there. Jesus looks directly into that moment. And he says, you of little faith. Remember who God is. That he's a skilled creator. He can do anything. He's a loving father. And he's a generous provider. And so this week, when you feel stress and worry, and it's all there, right? It, it comes from a good place. It comes from real situations that you step back and you give thanks and you pray and you do some good. Let's pray together.